You can turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. We'll also be in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Two incredible passages that God has for us this morning. Again, we're in a series called The Doctrines of Grace. We are looking at what role God plays in our salvation. We are looking at what role we play in our salvation. All for the glory of His grace. All for the life abundantly that He has given to us. So, for some of you, this may be new. Hang in there. Let's trust God's Word. That's, where, that's our authority. That's where we go. Uh, for those of you who love this stuff, uh, Yahoo and Joy. Um, but you remember, let's continue to give God all the grace, all the glory. This last week, our country went through the greatest act of democracy ever in the history of the world. This last week, our country elected by popular vote a new leader, a new leader of the free world, a new president. And unbelievably, we did this without any bloodshed. We did this without really any revolt. We did this without any loss of life. It truly is an absolute amazing country we live in. What may be an electoral landslide, it looked like, really the popular vote was just about 5%. And you think about a margin of error, a 5% difference in the way we believe, and yet that peace could come about through that election. It really is amazing. What was it about that made Americans choose Barack Obama? Was it his stance on his issues? Was it his charisma? Was it his skin color? Was it his age? Was it his experience? Was it his running mate? And I have such great news, I have no intention to dissecting any of that. (laughs) But to point out the simple obvious, something about Barack Obama appealed to our country to elect him as our president. But as we've been learning in God's word, that none of that happened apart from the sovereignty of God. That is an amazing reality. No matter if you are here this morning and are thrilled with the outcome, or you are here and you are upset and mourning, what we all have to realize is that America loves that process. We love to choose our leaders. We love to choose those that we give authority to and those that we don't. Americans love to choose so much that we're willing to go to war so that others can choose. We'll go to war so others will have that right or be able to keep that right to choose. That's how high a priority it is for us Americans. Americans love to choose so much that we will choose choice over life. And we will say we want to be pro-choice, and it's a higher value is to choose than it is to maintain life. Are you pro-choice? Are you pro-life? Again, a lot of that comes from a country that will say choosing should be number one. We believe that we have an unalienable right to choose For some reason, because we're born. And we're born here in the United States of America, the greatest country ever, that we have this right. It's just ours. And nothing in the world should ever separate us from any right to choose. 
all things. But what about our salvation? What about our election into God's family? Whose choice is it? And what are the reasons, uh, what are the reason or the reasons for that choice? And the reality is, is your opinion and my opinion don't matter as much as what God's opinion is. I want you to know that this church believes in the authority of Scripture. We believe that this is God's Word. It's, it's holy. It's, it's not going to lead us astray. Now that it's not, it doesn't have errors. And that we need to submit ourselves to God's Word. That is our authority. So when it comes to opinions, and we have strong ones, every one of us, the preacher and those who are listening, have to take our opinions and bring them into the light of Scripture. And say, God, what do you say? And as followers of Christ, we need to therefore bend our opinions in line with what God's Word said. That's what's ultimate. That's what we need to do. That's the truth of this sermon. Listen, my opinion doesn't matter. And that's why I pray the way I do before my sermons. God, the things that are my opinion, the things that are wrong, may they be forgotten. May they fall away. Why? Because my opinion doesn't matter. But God's word matters. This is this, this matters. It's eternal. This will never lead us down the wrong path. So we got to listen to God's word. As Americans, again, we think that we have this predisposition. We got. I want to make this point again. All of us here, if you grew up in the United States of America, you are predisposed. Is this in your wiring? Is this in your heritage? This is how you were brought up. Every single one of us. As Americans, we are predisposed to believe that we have the right to choose anything. Is that really biblical? That's where we got to bring it in light of that. We would, most of us would live our lives, give me liberty, or let's say it this way, give me choice or give me death. Is that our way of looking at things? Let's see what God's word says. Turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 6 through 21, then Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. Let's be mindful again that we're reading God's Word. We're kind of picking up a conversation here that Paul is writing to the Church of Rome. Um, he's in dialogue with them. And they're trying to figure out, people are joining the church and they're not Jewish. And they're trying to figure out why these Gentiles, why these people they thought weren't a part of God's family are getting in. And they're trying to figure out who gets it. Who gets into the family and who doesn't get in the family. I thought if I was just circumcised, I'm in. Today, some people think in certain traditions, if I'm baptized into a certain church, I'm in. Well, God's word has something different for us. And it's amazing to say how we get there and who chooses us to get there. Let's look at God's word together. In 9, verse 6, I'll read through 21. It is not enough as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Now what Paul is saying here, it's jumping into this a little confusing, is basically saying just because you were born a Jew doesn't mean in God's eye you truly get it. For because, there are, because they are descendants, um, uh, nor because they are descendants, are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are children, God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. 
For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Here's what's going on. God is saying, it's just not all just naturally you get this salvation thing. Again, the Israelites thought because, hey, I got a connection to a guy named Abraham that God made cool promises to, that I get it automatically. I deserve it. Maybe for us it might be this. I grew up in a Christian home. I should get it, right? I went to a Christian school. I should get it, right? I was baptized. I'm in, right? And uh, that's what some people thought. Verse 10. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. And here's where we got to put on some heavy thinking. Yet before the twins were born, or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the mom was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Well, what then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, God says to Moses, I'm going to have mercy on whom I'm going to have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. Look at verse 16. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort. It may say in yours, human will or running, but on God's mercy. For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised up for this very, you up for this very purpose, Pharaoh, and not a believer, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who's able to resist his will? But, you who, uh, but who are you, a mere human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? Or shall the clay say to the potter, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay, and that's all of us, some pottery for noble purposes, and some for disposal or refuse? That's an easy one, isn't it? Let's turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 1. Let's look at verses 3 through 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Oh, does this sound good? For He chose us in Him. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, underline that, in love... He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us and the one He loves. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, thank you Lord Jesus, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us With all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery. Anybody feeling a mystery here? The mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the time reaches the fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. In Christ. In him. In Christ we were also chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan of him. 
who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Let us pray. Father God, it is very, very, very clear this morning that we need wisdom that is beyond my own. These are a couple of passages that on the surface can really seem very, very hard to understand. And so God, would you do that which only you could do? Would you first start by speaking through a broken sinner that has been saved by grace, that didn't grow up believing this to be true, but you have revealed this to be true in your word. Father, would you use my words to be your words? Would you open our ears not to hear me, but to hear you? Would you shine your spirit, the uh, spirit of illumination into our minds so we can understand, maybe for the first time, maybe there are some here that have been struggling with this for a really long time. Would you allow us to understand because it's important because it's in your word. God, we ask that you would right now touch our hearts. Because some people right now got their posture up and they're angry and they don't want to really believe this. And God, it doesn't matter what I believe, it's matter what you believe. And this is important because you have it for us. So God, touch all of our hearts, mine too, and empower our feet to walk in this truth. May you and you alone receive glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Do you remember what it was like to pick teams in PE when you are in middle school? I-, I bet you that's some of the hardest time in some of our lives. Being in PE class and having the PE teacher probably not with a lot of foresight saying, why don't you guys here pick a couple of teams? And then you had the cruel reality of those who were popular and those who had gifts and uh, throwing rubber balls at high rates of speed at someone else's head, chosen first. And those who weren't uh, as gifted in those areas sitting and saying, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I being chosen Have you been there? Do you know that pain of being chosen last? Maybe the best way we should choose is to do what we did in kids when we were out in the backyard. Everybody put their shoe in. They put their Chuck Taylors in. You had someone say, bubblegum, bubblegum, in a dish. How many pieces do you wish? It seemed a lot easier to go that way, didn't it? Or my favorite, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. My mother told me to pick the very best one, which seems pretty random, and I pick you. Okay? Didn't seem like feelings were hurt nearly as much. And how do we know that that was the very best one? Is it by chance? Is it by skill? How do we choose? I, uh, I swim with a guy who's a coach of a JV team, uh, not our team, a local community. Um, he recently picked his basketball team. There was a ninth grader he didn't pick. He gets an immediate phone call. The dad says, I'm stepping off the board. I'm no longer giving any money. You will not believe what you have done to my child for not choosing him on the JV basketball team. Cannot believe it. I had to go out and buy him a car to make him feel better. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I want to try out for that team. I really do. I just like, just give me a few. I'll brick them all up there. I mean, just, just console me with a car. I mean, when it comes to choosing and picking and choosing, let me tell you, we're passionate about it. We're passionate about it. When it comes to our kids, when it comes to our lives, we really are. 
We want to say, is it really necessary? Well, why do we even choose JV basketball teams? Why do we even choose presidents? Why don't we just let everybody play? Can you imagine that chaos? Okay, guys, let's all run out there. Go have some fun. Just run out there. But what about president? You know what? It's too hard. The country might go through turmoil. You know, John McCain really tried hard. Let's give him a chance to. We'll have two presidents, maybe three. You know, you say, that's, that's craziness. I mean, we, we, we have to at times have choice. We have to have some get it and some don't. What about salvation? What about salvation? Is it true too? Let's start with this point. Is salvation even necessary? Is salvation even necessary? Why is there this wrestle with who get it and who doesn't get it? Let's see, see, let's start off by examining, is this necessary for all of us? And this is last week's sermon. Last week we looked at the reality that Romans 3.23 says to us, and here it is. Listen, don't miss this. It says what these new members just said, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard. All of us have. All of us have missed the buck. All of us have not been perfect. The reality is, is God is absolutely beautiful. He's radiant and he's without sin and he's holy. And because God is holy, he can't remain holy and look at sin. He's got to deal with it. And every single one of us, all of us have fallen short of perfection. All of us have sinned. That's last week's reality. Let me encourage you. It's on the line. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, there's some out in the lobby. I'm not going to spend any more time on that. Other fact is, is salvation necessary? Yes. Salvation is necessary for all people. There is a universal need. You and I were born with an addiction to sin. Whether you were born in some remote tribe in Africa, you were born in China, you were born here, every single image bearer of the living God ever born since Adam has a disease called sin. And we may disagree with the diagnosis. We may say, no, 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 I'm not really that bad. I mean, compared myself to my neighbors, I'm pretty darn good. I mean, comparatively speaking, I pay my taxes for the most part. I don't beat my wife, my kids, my dog. I'm pretty good. So maybe in your eyes you are, and maybe in our eyes you are. But in God's eyes, we have to realize that there's not one of us is good. Do we agree with God's diagnosis? That's the question. Because God says about all of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So the next question is, if there is universal, if salvation is necessary universally, is, uh, is, salvation, is, is salvation necessary? Yes. Is salvation universal? It's the next question. Does everybody get it? Does it matter? I mean, isn't God loving and benevolent enough to say, okay, forget it. Come on, you all get it. Come on, I know. It's okay. Everybody's in. doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist or Muslim or Catholic or Protestant or Jewish. I mean, all these lines of diversity, all this divisiveness. I mean, come on. I'm a big, loving, benevolent father. Everybody's in. Everybody, come up. Here we go. Is salvation universal? Well, it talks about natural children. We read in Romans, there's natural children, there's children of the promise. In the book of Ephesians, it says, by nature, we're children of wrath. By nature, we are separated from God. So salvation is not universal. It's not. And we may want to stop and say, I want to argue with God about this. I don't like this. And I don't have time to tell you all the details that God is revealing his glory toward his anger of sin. As much as he's revealing his glory and his grace in loving sinners. But the reality of the Bible is we can no longer say it doesn't matter. 
We can't say it doesn't matter that there's a universal salvation for everybody. Just, just show up and you're in. There's a team, a family that's to be chosen. And there's a, this is really tough for the people in the book of Romans to hear because they thought they were in because they were circumcised. They thought they were in because they had a Jewish descendancy. And I think for many Christians, they think they're in because they were baptized into a church. They think they're in because they joined a church. No, we're only in when God graciously pulls us in. So salvation is not universal. We're all out of the same lump. But for some crazy reason, God made some of us to be given his grace and some to be passed by. Okay, if salvation is necessary for all and it's not universal, the next question we've got to ask ourselves is this. Who's responsible for salvation? Who is responsible for salvation? Is it God or is it man? Are we responsible or is God in charge? Well, Revelation 7.10 says something pretty interesting. It says this. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's what it's basically saying. Salvation is God's idea. Even before we rebelled, God knew we would and He provided salvation for us. It's His idea, not ours. It's His Son, not ours. It's His Son's sacrifice, not ours. It's the resurrection of Jesus, not ours. Salvation from Alpha to Omega, from start to end, is all of the Lord. Including those who He's going to draw to Himself. We want to say, oh, this is crazy. Are you kidding me? You're telling me that man doesn't have choice in this. Give me choice or give me death. Well, if salvation belonged to man, there's no such thing. If salvation belonged to man, there's no such thing because that is hopelessness. If Scripture is true that all of us are sinners, and if Scripture is true very clearly that all of us have died in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1, that we're dead, that our, our hearts are deceitful and fully wicked, that we can't clean them up, we can't prepare to move toward God, that we and our transgressions in God's eyes are truly incapable of doing any good on our own. If that is true, if Scripture is real and telling us that in our natural selves, we are children of wrath, if we are incapable of doing good, and if salvation belonged to us, here is the reality, my friends, no one's saved. Is if it's true, if salvation comes down to man's choice and a dead man can't choose anything, who gets heaven? No one. Last week we talked about being totally depraved. We are incapable of moving toward God. If that is true, then we have to be given grace by God to get it. Who is responsible? Is it man? No, that's the hopelessness of man. It's the gracefulness of of God. Ephesians 1, uh, 4 and 5, again, at the end of 4, I love this. It says this. It seems so hard sometimes. What are you talking about? But I love what it says at the end of 4. It says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his will and good pleasure. This is God's grace. If this is so true and it is in God's word, this is so graceful of God to love sinners like us. In love, he's going to come to us who don't deserve it. 
It says, I'm going to bring you into the family. I'm going to give you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you the ability to respond to me. And you're going to lovingly, joyfully respond with enthusiasm. I'm going to give you a whole new nature. I'm going to take your sins. I'm going to nail them to the cross. They're past. They'll never haunt you again. I'm going to give you my inheritance. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are yours and mine in Christ Jesus. It's in love. It's grace that God would love sinners like us. And he demonstrates that love to us while we are still sinners. Romans 5.8. Well, the question we have to ask is, why does God choose some for salvation? Why some? Well, here's what we know about God's choice. God is the one who's author of salvation, and God's choice of election is unconditional. That means there was nothing in us or nothing about us or nothing that we might have or we might become that God made him say, hey, I want that one. Remember we read this story about Jacob and Esau before these twins were born, before they could do anything, right or wrong. It says, so that God's will will be accomplished. So God's predetermined plan would be executed. It didn't matter. It was unconditional. It does not depend. Remember what it says in verse 16? It does not depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy alone. I've got to tell you, the reality is free grace is really tough to swallow. It's very, very difficult. I want to earn it. I was recently, uh, I was recently blown away by free grace. I uh, took my car in to get um, uh, a new battery, change the oil, and I found out that I had several thousand dollars of repair. And I was just like, oh, man, I just don't have it saved up. I don't have it. I don't know. As I said, I don't have time for it right now. Just, just change the oil, throw the battery in. I'll take care of it down the road. And, uh, somebody not in this church uh, got wind that I, I had a car I needed repair. I said, hey, can you just take it in and uh, uh, let's get it looked at. And I came back, and not only were the repairs done, they put new tires on. You know, I didn't... I loved it, and it really blessed me, and I really felt great. But at the same time, I, I want to say, no, wait a minute. I, I got, when can I pay you back? Let, let's set up a payment schedule. And, hey, no, 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 no. Let me, let me i got to earn this. I mean, I, I, I can't receive this gift. don't know you that well. i got to earn it. I mean, my whole life I've been told i got to earn it. i got to earn it. It means something i got to do. I must respond. And they told me, no, 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 Jeff, God wants to love you and wants to give this to you as your gift. And I just started weeping because I don't know how to take gifts like that. I don't understand unconditional love. I sometimes feel like there's something I must do to earn it. And the reality and the beauty of this is that God loves sinners like us, not because of anything in us. We don't wear his jersey and say, yeah, it's because we're good looking or because we're smart or because we're godly. We are in his family because he just simply loves us. And if that's the reality, that's the most amazing grace ever. If the reality is, is there's nothing inside of us that deserves love and he loves us anyway and makes us beautiful in Jesus, that is amazing. It is amazing. It's not hard. Yes, I don't know the mystery of all of it, but the reality is is that God loves sinners unconditionally. 
And let me tell you, that should set us free because you're going to mess it up today. You're going to leave here. You're going to forget about him. You're going to leave here. You're going to act like you never knew him sometimes. But God loves his children unconditionally, eternally. He's never changing his mind about us. That's our God. And he didn't look through time and see something in you and me that thought, oh, there's something good. I'm dragging him to me because all of us were dead. All of us deserved God's wrath. We're all in the same boat. We have nothing to boast. This is why we should love our neighbors. This is why Christians should never do this. Because we got no right. The only thing we got is Jesus. And the only reason we got him is by his grace. The only reason, the only reason we have been set free is for some mystery God has loved us before time began. Enough to send his son. Of all people who get this, we should sing Amazing Grace the loudest. What do we know? It's unconditional. What do we know? It's for his purpose and will. Ephesians 9, I'm sorry, uh, Romans 9, 11, Ephesians 1, 5, clearly says that it's for his purpose, for his will. We know that God's choice and election is mysterious. It says it in one night. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know why. I don't know why some and not others. He passed by. I don't know. He's God. He does what God does. I don't know. We'll never be able to parse out, well, why not this and why not that? But what it says is this about election. It's loving. It's in love. And here's the mystery of all mysteries that we got to ask. Why did God choose any? We can wrestle with why did God choose some, but that's the reality. Why did God choose any? He's holy. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need us. Why would he love any of us enough to send his son to come give us life and life abundantly? Why any? That's the mystery. But he does. And he's loved us and he set us free. What does this mean for us? First of all, no spiritual plagiarism. Remember I talked about this last week? We can't commit spiritual plagiarism. If it's somebody else's work, we've got to give them credit. And we say salvation is unto the Lord. We've got to give them credit. Start to finish. You want to put yourself right in there and say, no, 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 Jeff, you don't understand. I really believe that I had a part of that. I, I was somehow, yeah, maybe I wasn't too dead. I reached out and I embraced him. And that's really spiritual plagiarism. You're really robbing God of his glory. You are. If God did all the work, don't, don't take credit for God's work. Give him glory. No spiritual plagiarism. God is sovereign over the ends and means. And this is what this means. God is going to bring his sheep here home. We're going to look at this in the next few weeks. Why preach? What am I doing? If you're here and you don't embrace Jesus, I can't convince you. Why even try? Because he says that we're to proclaim the good news of Christ and that his sheep will hear his voice. The reality is, is you and I will always choose our desires. This is a closing thought. You and I will always choose our desires. Listen, God is not going to mess up your will. He's not. You're always going to choose your desires. Every time in the world, every decision you make, you're going to follow your heart. It's true. Believe this or not, you will always follow your heart. You will not go contrary to your heart. Never. But the question is, the only way we can ever desire God is if he gives us that ability. The only way we could ever hear his voice is if he gives us that ability. The only way we can ever come is if he calls us and we joyfully come. He is sovereign over everything, including salvation. The great question I have is, do we come 
Do we come? Are we His because we come? Or do we listen because we are His? Are we His because we come? Or do we come because we're His? The answer is, for those of you who love Jesus, you come to Him because you're His sheep. and He loves you. And He's given you the ability to hear the great shepherd's voice. Rejoice. Let us pray. Father, what, a, uh, what an incredible topic to wrestle with. And we are predisposed as Americans not to like the fact that we don't have a choice. The truth is, God, we'll always follow our choice. Our choice will always be evil apart from you. We'll choose sin above you. We'll choose to run. But God, when you work in our hearts, you give us a new ability. A new ability to be yours and to be loved. To be rescued. The mystery of all mysteries, God, is that you would love any of us. And we know what love you've lavished on us, that we could be called the children of God. And God, I pray for each one of us. There's some here that are going to leave here really wrestling. Be gracious to them. Love them. Just remind them of the truth that Jesus is awesome. He is the answer. May we dialogue in a way that brings you honor and glory. We thank you for the amazing grace that is ours. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you leave here, there's a couple things that God just put in my heart I want to share with you as you go. First of all is this. When Paul taught tough things, there were those called Bereans from a town. They went back to God's word and they wrestled with it. And God, through his word, through Paul, called them noble. If you're wrestling with this, go to God's word. He'll teach you. And secondly, I don't want anyone to leave here thinking, well, am I chosen or not? Listen, the bottom line is God will never drive away one who comes. If you desire God... He's never going to drive you away. If you desire God, you're it. All we're saying is, you'll never desire Him until He first moves. Does that make sense? I'll receive this blessing as you go. I'll reach out and say, God, just bless me. Just remind me. Listen to the words of this benediction out of uh, Jude. Now to Him, to the one who is able, to the only one who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to the one who is going to cause you to stand in His glorious presence. You're going to be in His presence with great joy and blameless in Christ. To Him be glory, power, majesty, both now and forevermore. Amen. And go in His peace.